Thank you for tuning in to Healing Race. In this video, Andre and I ask, what motivates people to support policies that perpetuate racial inequities? Is it self-interest, ideology, racial bias, white supremacy? As part of that conversation, I share how I myself reacted to a property tax bill that would dramatically lower my taxes, but would take away from public schools that support opportunity for many local Black children. Let's get to that conversation now. Enjoy. this about me, but I've been sort of uh, a de facto aficionado and teaching myself a lot of British history. And I've started with British royal history. And it started from binging the television show, the Netflix show, The Crown. And then I didn't really understand what monarchy was. So I started watching a lot of documentaries about the history of their royal family. And then, of course, that includes the story of how the United States came into being. Now I see why the United States came into being. Mm -hmm. But it also told me these people have been in the white people. I mean, let me say not say these people, white people have been in power from the day they landed on this country until today. Mm -hmm. And that's not an accident. That's not that's not happenstance. So yep. somebody somewhere is having a conversation about how to organize ourselves into longevity and into perpetuity mm -hmm. like that. That that is a that's a when when someone may say that's not on a, you know, it's not maybe I'm being, you know, how would you say uh, paranoid or something like that. I'm like, I hear what you're saying. And I could take your point. Cause I'm not saying that's happening in every white household, mm -hmm. but in key white households, it's happened enough to keep them in power from the day they walked onto this land until today. Mm -hmm. And that's, like I said, that's not happenstance. That's, de that's deliberate. I think on the history of the United States and and how power is distributed and that it's not distributed equally among people proportionate to their percentage in the, you know, um, population. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> like, mm -mm. There, there's just this, I think, some of the things that get lost sometimes in this. I think when the topic of something being deliberate comes up. I feel like there is greater specificity that is needed on that topic. Here's why. So I'm happy for that. Ask, tell white people to be transparent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are so when I so let me ask you what do you think what is your opinion on who is making deliberate choices such that power <clears throat> is unequal continues to be unequal now 
is this to you? Well, let me just just answer the I guess answer the question as posed. I won't I won't I won't even propose any ideas beyond that. I have an answer. Yeah. So I see it as a pyramid where in your local all places. Okay, okay, let me absolutes, right? So many places mm -hmm. have influential people, people who are wealthy, people who are connected. You have those that participate on the school board. They are probably uh, involved in charities, et cetera. And when that network of, and these people know one another in the United States, right? And so when that network of people starts to come together, and as I've learned in the form of think tanks, <laughs> that's when they start saying, okay, we can sway events and make sure our influence is protected if we come together and we all decide on a common approach to deal with whatever is going on, whether it's the economy, race relations or whatever. Mm -hmm. And because you are in a society that is not quite a caste system, but does have systemic race-based inequity throughout its history, Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe that those same people aren't influencing things to make sure whether liberal or conservative. So I'm not even, I'm not, don't think of this in terms of a Democrat or a Republican thing. Yeah, I know you've had plenty to, plenty to crit critique the left. Yes. Know, the left leaning. Yes, know, they're doing it too. Okay. You know, like in Michelle Obama's book, she's like, I have been at homes. Like you just wouldn't believe. And like, and you know, at these dinner parties and things, people are discussing, these people have real money. I mean, these people, what we, in the black community, what we call legend money, like, woo, like there's money out there to buy commercials, to sway opinion, to create Twitter bots, to really, really influence society. These people are connected. They're connected through universities. They're connected through think tanks. They're through professional associations. I mean, and I'm not saying that the network is one big sinister cabal on what I, you know, I more see it as a patchwork, but the patchworks are informed about one another. Yeah. So I guess what I would, I guess what I would, what I wonder about is there are, there are actions, right? There are actions that have create outcomes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there are the intentions behind the actions to create outcomes, right? The motivation behind it. Mm. And I'm familiar with this argument. And so there's probably more categories of, of motivations um, than the ones I'm going to, I'm going to put out there. And then I, and then I have more to say about this uh, in terms of people making decisions um, now versus, versus in the past. So one, we could imagine that people who have, let's say, power and influence and money, um, they can make choices to protect their interests, whatever they think they are, right? That could be to maintain power. That could be to maintain wealth, right? Um, so we might think that they support decisions to protect their interests, okay? 
we might think that people take actions because they have a view of the world. They have a philosophy. They have an ideology. And they want to see to it that their ideology is the one that is represented in America. And if I think that if I have strong free market, a strong free market philosophy, I'm sure as hell going to want to have power and influence and to use my megaphone um, to ensure that we're a country that leans in the direction toward free market capitalism, right? And then I might have motivations that are influenced by my racial biases, right? And so I might whether in some overt, very um, supremacist way, um, think that whites are better than blacks or other groups as well. Um, or I might have more, what you know, implicit biases, as they say, right? And, uh, and so the decisions, you know, what motivates my decisions are just these little unconscious biases that tell me Maybe black people are more likely to be lazy or whatever the other things uh, or to um, what, what did my uh, one of my interviewees um, who talked about this? He's like, I, you know, met with a Ku Klux Klan member, which he did for like, you know, met with a bunch of them over the course of years, decades. And he's like, you know, this, this one conversation we're talking about, he's like, and this is basically what I hear, you know, heard over and over again in these conversations is that black people are lazy stupid and criminal that's it's just inherent <laughs> just being open and blunt about it right and here he was about his conversations he's like mm -hmm. um and and so maybe there are those unconscious biases right those are people who overtly think that but maybe through media and socialization there are just these implicit biases that have me use my power in, in ways that forward decisions that are influenced by those biases, right? Um, all of those are different motivations and I'm not saying they can't be overlapping. Um, maybe I have my interests and a certain philosophy protects my interests, right? Um, or maybe I have racial biases that influence my philosophy. Like these things can be related. I grant you that. This, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm not telling, you know, saying this is a clean story. Um, I follow you. But the reason I bring it up is because you could have someone, you could take three people, one who is strongly driven by racial biases. Maybe they have some of the others, but really strongly, prominently, let's take three different kinds of individuals driven by racial biases. You could take someone who is just a fervent believer in a certain philosophy of how we should run our society ideologically. And you could take someone who is very strongly motivated by their personal interests and you could have them produce the same behavior because of those three different motivations. And the question is, how do we know what's driving the bus? If those three motivations can produce the same behavior, then when we see that behavior for that individual, what do we know or a group of individuals how do we know what's driving the bus? Does it and, matter if one particular group or is always on the losing end 
often? No, or? It does not matter when it comes to the motivation of why we should want to rectify the situation. Not at all. And it does not matter to me um, when it comes to um, why it should be problematic for you who feels you are part of a group that gets the short end of the stick. It should not matter. I, I, I hear you and I, I, I hear and I, you. you I, can I just finish one more thing? And then I want to hear what of you- Of course, yeah. of course, of course. The only other thing I want to say is, the only thing I'll suggest is that the telling of the story, when it's said that something is deliberate, what I think sometimes drives people away from conversation is whether someone thinks it's deliberate because of race. And I'm not suggesting that it's never deliberate because or influenced by race. But for the people for whom that might not be the case, the word deliberate tied to racial equities sometimes creates the feeling upon those people that, or, or the suggestion that it's, it's completely racially motivated or largely racially motivated. So, so um, to quote a person, they should lean into that discomfort. Yeah. And explore why they feel that way. I want to share a recent experience of mine. Yeah. That, <clears throat> well, I'll share the experience. So uh, we're going through like a special election here right now in Texas. And yeah. I, now I try to stay up on all the elections to participate in democracy. And one of the bills was a constitutional amendment to increase the amount of, of a homestead exemption that we get to claim against our property taxes. And, and it was increasing this amount by like 60%. Mm -hmm. So this is in my financial best interest to vote for it. But the amendment deliberately said that it would take the money away, meaning reduce the amount of money that is being passed to school districts, public school districts. And when I, so I looked up the ballot before early voting started and I said, wait a minute, that a lot of black kids go in public school and, you know, I know how much my property is worth. So if you increase the amount that I get to deduct by 60%, because I was like, ooh, score. <laughs> like, so the financial part was like, ooh, yeah. And I'm like, woo, Republicans. <laughs> And but there, the racial equity part of me, and I really struggled with this. And I told the girls about it yesterday. I was like, if I vote for this, that, that means class teachers already spend part of their income in order to be as educators in public school. I mean, you're talking about less money, more crowded classes, and you it just could make education really worse. And 60% increase in the deduction. Where's that money going to come from? Because you're talking about property taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So if they don't get that money, you're talking about either a bond sale, which puts the district in debt. Keep in mind, the Houston School District is like the third largest school district in the country. So we're talking about millions of children. This is a Texas constitutional amendment, which means it would apply to all of the state, which means all of the city, right? It'd be legal in every county to have to increase this deduction. Um, and I had a real moral dilemma about it because it was hard to feel like that wasn't deliberate, that it wasn't some politician trying to sneak in this sort of defunding of education, especially education that impact a lot of black and brown people. 
in disguise in this very advantageous amendment because what homeowner, if you, I mean, Todd, like, oh, guess what? We're going to drop your taxes by 60%. We've had it. We had issues. We've had issues on this, uh, on this front in California. There was, yes. uh, there was <laughs> yes. um, a very important proposition that uh, limited, that restricted the ability to raise property taxes. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, and it's had, you know, not great effects when it comes to edu- the educational system. So, I, yeah, um, let me ask you a question. Sure. about that that's a, i think i think bringing it down to a specific example is really important you want to know how i voted no i don't want to know how you voted. <laughs> i want to know how you would feel if the public schools in your area were 90 plus percent white how i would feel I would still feel that we were taking away something very key from children who need it. So I guess my the answer to your question is that personally, I would feel no differently if they were 90% white. I would yeah. feel no differently. Yeah. So. But the sting, but it felt more of a sting yeah. because I know HISD is like 60% black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. That, that for just so you know, I'm a product of HISD, of Houston Independent School District. Yeah, and it must it did something right. It got me to Stanford, so I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, 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 so I think any. Yeah, and I think that totally makes sense. It, it, all the more because you came out of that out of that public yeah. school system, right? And so, and I think anyone it would understand well. that who hasn't felt like they were, you know, if they were supported by some institution, education, or whatever it might be, um, the military people feel this, right? Mm -hmm, Hey, mm -hmm. I have been improved because of the military. And when Mm -hmm. people start bashing the military, Mm -hmm. they get defense. So I totally understand. And I, and I appreciate your, your answer, both the honesty of the sting was more makes sense to me, as well as that you still feel the same. Um, so This is an example, I think, where you can imagine people in all sorts of situations. We can play around with whether you as Andre thinking about this is black or white, whether the school system is more black or more white. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I don't know how you wound up coming out on, the, on, your, on your vote, but you had this personal interest and then you saw the effects and the effects were bad generally, no matter whether they were black or white kids. Um, I'll tell you the way I, I'll tell you how I voted. Cause I think you, by, if I tell you how I voted, it will inform. Um, it, it will just inform what you're okay. about to say. Yeah. I voted for the amendment. So I voted for the increase in the, in the reduction, meaning basically take that money away from public schools. I voted yeah. for my own economic best interest. Yeah. So, but I felt like, I felt like really bad person for doing that. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think you, I think you showed that these are complicated issues. Very. I struggled with it for about a week. Right. And so imagine, and so I want to, I want to just, now you could have gone the other direction, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say you could have, you weighed these things. There's whatever reason you had for saying, I decide to support in the end. I think what some white people would say is that if they 
were Andre telling this story right now, mm-hmm. and they shared the decision they made. I know where you're going. They <laughs> would be assumed to be to have done that to to at the very least have not cared about black people enough, right? To seek equity, right, um, for their yes. personal interests, yes. or at the very most, just being flat out not just not caring, but flat out being racist, right? This is a good example for our conversation. I'm glad I shared it with you. Yeah. This is a good case study to examine. Yeah. And now it could be totally fair for you to say, I think this is the right thing to do. Okay. It's personal of personal interest to me. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think we need to get public funding in a different way. I support mm-hmm. public education, or maybe I don't, maybe I support, you know, um, other forms of education, you know, mm-hmm. that are any, anyways, you could have all sorts of ways that you might actually think the right way to get to educational equity is just a different path. Mm-hmm. And even though it's going to have this effect, this, this specific proposition, mm-hmm. this specific, maybe mm-hmm. there, I, I actually support a different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of ways that people might feel about this for all sorts of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I know where you're going. And the choice is deliberate. <laughs> no matter what, your choice was very deliberate, right? It wasn't just instinct. You really thought about it, which is like the the essence of deliberation. You Mm -hmm. thought it through Mm -hmm. and deliberately made a choice. For a week. Yeah. And so when you say the idea, going back to the idea of when you say these things are deliberate, all I'm saying is, yes, people do make decisions and some people are more powerful. And based on our historical trajectory, those people are more likely to be white, right? Yes. And the reason for their decisions could be so various is all that I'm saying. Um, They could be based on so many different reasons. And I don't want to take away the fact that they could be based on outright or unconscious biases with regard to race. I think the political science literature, you know, I study political science, bears out that we have racial biases that influence our our decisions. <laughs> like mm-hmm. not everyone has it equally. These are average effects, but when you add up the averages, as you've said before, on a societal level, those averages add up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's the people just get defensive when it comes to intentionality. And mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. one side of the ledger, as my Jewish friends will say, right? is that's a good point. There's a lot of bad intention out there. There, There's a lot of bad intention out there. Don't dismiss it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you would say the same thing. Don't dismiss the racial bias that exists. Um, And let's not make it everything. Right. Um, uh, Let's just just not assume on individual cases um, or assume something about a broad population. Um, And that's hard because people can hide their intentions. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so they can say, oh, no, my intentions are different than race when their intentions could very well be race. Uh, yes, very true. So it's anyways, that my I think not racially motivated. Like I wasn't doing this out of some malice toward black people. For me, it really, <laughs> God, I hate, I hate to say it, but it was just like a savings. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> it was it was like, that's a pretty steep amount. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you could just. You could just no, imagine. I feel bad I did, but I don't know. No, no, no. I mean, I don't think it, 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 it is. No, I think your example is such a powerful I example. I feel like I voted against black people. 
Because I, like I said, I come from the school district. I know what the what the racial makeup is of this school district. And the amendment did say that it was going to take the money away from public schools. Mm-hmm. Like that was literally, I'm quoting. <laughs> now you might say, so here's an argument that I think someone might make um, in your position. And they could be whatever color they are uh, of skin, but I'm just going to, you know, maybe it's the case, Andre, that through your greater increasing wealth, you in your life wind up doing a whole bunch of good with it that helps to uh, remedy racial equity or solve some other problem that maybe you care about. Um, Now, maybe you don't. And there's a lot of people out there who make a lot of money and pass it down. And, you know, um, maybe it never trickles out to kind of an improvement of society. Some people have that point of view where they actually feel, well, I know in the short run, I'm doing a bad thing um, in the sense of like, I'm taking away money from what could be a good cause, but maybe I can invest. Maybe I feel confident that I can invest that better or differently or, it's going to help me get to a place where I'm more able to help. Um, and, and so even someone making the choice that you make, I know you're, you're a good person. I know you want to do good in the world. Like I have every confidence that whatever, you know, whoever Andre becomes, whoever Andre is and becomes is going to do good things in the world. With that savings. <laughs> With the savings or otherwise, or where, maybe the savings just brings you to a place of influence and maybe it's influence that you wind up using it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it, you could just imagine all sorts of scenarios where this improving your life is an investment in you to become the person you're going to be. And the person you're going to be is going to have a whole lot of effects. I mean, there's people who make that argument about the Elon Musks of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who say, you know, the fact that he's rich is probably a good thing because he winds up, you know, throwing the money down on big investments that can improve our lot in lot, you know, as a society, mm-hmm. whereas others don't. Right. Um, you know, and then others make the counter argument of like, well, why should we, you know, shouldn't this be a collective decision? Why do we just leave it for these individual do-gooders to just trust that they're going to do good things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we do need to tax and make these collective decisions. These are mm-hmm. tough things to figure out is all that I'm saying is, and the, the, the reason your example to me is such a good example, it's, it's the way, I'm going to say this in a way that I hope comes out okay, that you feel good about, um, because I want you to feel good. You made the decision. You hopefully feel good about it. You're torn about it. Clearly, you're torn about it, but you made I'm the still decision. torn about it, but now I can't reverse it because I don't yeah. The thing is, is that there are... I think we just have to be careful with people's motivations, right? Mm-hmm. With, with, with assuming their motivations. You yourself now can see the way that people get coaxed in to policies that mm-hmm. have deleterious effects yes. that are yes, not racially biased, right? And there's yes. just some people who support policies that do magnify or at least maintain racial inequities um, who are not doing it because of the effects that it creates in that way. They're doing it for whatever other motivations that they have. Um, And the net effect of everyone making these personal choices is to not have policies that might rectify them, right? Um, And that's why people who might either purposely like, like those racial inequities or maybe are just okay with them staying the way they are 
might even promote certain ideologies that lead to policy choices that might not rectify them, right? Um, and so you have some sometimes, you know, people who are claiming ideology and maybe they have ulterior motives, right? Um, so there's a whole cast of characters. Is all that I'm saying. Understand something. You know, yeah. you're really helping me understand something because the the girls and I <clears throat> went in on why white people get so offended when you call them racist, yeah. right? We like we really went. That was like an hour part because we were on the phone for like five hours yesterday. Yeah. So that was that was part of it, like an hour. And you're helping me understand how, especially when you said people get coaxed in into policies and you need to be careful about people's motivations. Because when you say, when you said that, when, when, when people, at least when I've heard people call another person racist, you're saying you have a discriminatory, deliberate discriminatory kind of like motivation in your action or your support of a policy, right? And as I hear you talk, you're saying that's not necessarily the case. That you, that yes, that could be possible, but a person could have a completely, like, for example, an economic point of view, why they would have voted for, you know, in this, this particular amendment that is not even motivated by race, but, and for you to sit, for you to call a person a racist because they voted for it is a loaded statement. I get it now. I yeah. See. It's a loaded statement, even it's a loaded statement. It's a loaded statement, period. And it's accentuated if you actually, in your heart of hearts, try to be the best person you can be when it comes to race. So imagine an individual who makes that decision. I've had literally a person who has said this to me. Yes. I have done, I, I worked for racial equity in New York City. Like I literally supported policies and philanthropy that sought to do that. And because I support why this, I'm now being called a racist. And he, I mean, he, when he told me about the things he did in his past, he started like tearing. He's like, I'm a person who not just tries to, in my everyday interpersonal life, try to be open and welcoming. And even though maybe I'm ignorant, right? He didn't say that part, but I'm sure he would even acknowledge like, I don't really know what it's like to be a black person, right? Um, so it's not just that that person is just interpersonally tries to be a loving, open, kind person, but he actually was active in trying to make schools better in a way that um, like, he, oh, he was, oh, it was actually like private religious schools mm -hmm. that had racial equity motivations and mm -hmm. produced results to that effect. He's like, so imagine that person who has put energy into the cause in some way because he doesn't support X, Y, or Z or has a problem with ABC. So like defund the police or changing the police or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if those were the policies, but whatever the policies, policy, he's like, I'm be, I've been called a racist because of that. Mm -hmm. And so not only does he get a loaded term thrown toward him that doesn't match his motivations for whatever policy, but he knows his history, right? And one could make the argument that he probably hasn't owned all the bias that he has. I'm sure one could legitimately make the argument, right? Um, but just imagine a person who's really tried, who has a motivation that isn't racial, supports something, and then gets called that loaded term. Um, that's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> like, that's a really hard pill to swallow. Um, and it's not that I negate people's drive to like, make people 
not make people, but drive people, like inspire people, encourage people to be uncomfortable and to own the smaller ways that they might have these biases that affect and that other people might have biases. You know, there was a study that was done. I, I can't remember if I mentioned it at all in any of our conversations where they looked at traffic stops on the, um, I don't know if it was on the freeway or certain part of the freeway or the whole city it might've been. Um, and they looked at the disparity between black and white um, traffic stops at nighttime and during the daytime. And what you see is a disparity during the daytime. And you see that disparity close when it's nighttime. Now, I don't know how else to tell the story, that story, other than during the daytime, you can see someone's skin color. I don't know how to tell that story. (laughs) Right? Uh, When people are less visible. (laughs) Right? And so is it consciously doing it? Is it unconsciously? Is it consciously for some and unconsciously for others? I don't know. I don't know what that story, but is there some bias of some kind that leads to that different result? Right? I understand the drive to want us to want us to wake up and listen to and acknowledge those biases. But on an individual level, even someone who has those biases and may not have owned them, sometimes things get thrown at people that are just assumed and not justified. Um, and I accept that. But like I said, it's hard. It's also a hard pill for us to swallow when many times you and your race end up on the losing end. Yeah. There's only just so much grace I can give that argument. Thank you for watching this episode of Healing Race and stay with us for a scene from our next video. If you wanna see more conversations like the one you just watched, please subscribe to our channel, share this video with friends and family and like and comment on the video below. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our episodes and have an open, real conversation about race, email us at guests at healingraceshow.com. And if there are topics you think we should cover, we'd love to hear them. So please email your ideas to topics at healingraceshow.com. As always, thanks for your support. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you. Now, here's a scene from our next Healing Race. What would you want fellow Americans who are white to know about you as a as a black person or and or the black community generally that you often feel they as a community generally right or at least some portion of them don't know like what are the things that you think is are misunderstood about you because of your blackness or again about the, the community generally that we are a community with a lot of heart and there's no reason to be afraid of us. We are a loving, beautiful people with a lot of heart. You know, um, with a lot of heart.